This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, let's get right to our next guest, a nine-time All-Star, MVP of the American League, a Hall of Famer, and the oldest living baseball Hall of Famer, Bobby Doerr. How are you doing, Bobby? I'm doing okay. Bobby, I looked at the guys you played with, Jimmy Fox, Joe Cronin, Dom DiMaggio. I mean, you're, you play with a who's who of baseball. Yeah. You also had one of the game's greatest player, Ted Williams, as a teammate. What was he like? Yeah. Oh, Ted was a good guy. Ted was fine on a, he was a loader guy. He, uh, he liked to go, oh, if we go from Cleveland to Detroit, Detroit to Cleveland where you get in early. He would always want to go take a walk with me uh, and talk fishing or something like that. That was his favorite thing to do was fishing. I see you like to fish, too. He didn't want to have a third person. Like sometimes somebody would say, well, mind if I go? No, you guys go ahead. He just wanted one-on-one. Was he the best ball player you ever saw? Uh, Probably the best hitter, but he wasn't the best ball player. Okay. The Maggio was the best ball player. Not Dom DiMaggio, you're talking Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio, yeah. You know, and people have always uh, said, gee, if Ted Williams had been on the Yankees and if Joe DiMaggio had been on the Red Sox, they they would have had numbers that nobody would have touched yeah. even today. Yeah. Well, it was good that they were both on each different team. <laughs> what was your favorite moment of your baseball career? Well, I think playing in the World Series was, was, was a great thrill. And what was that like in 46 going up against the Cardinals? Well, I think I've heard of the, we since the pennant about a week, oh, the first week of, uh, of September. And then we had about two or three weeks that we, we uh, you, you played, but I think you lost a little momentum. Would you ever believe they would have taken Boston that many years to win a World Series till they did it back in 2004? Yeah, we, we just we just didn't have the pitch. We had everything else, but we didn't quite have the... The year we had the pitch was Ferris and Houston having those, those years, and they both got four arms the next year. Most people around Chicago think Ryan Sandberg was a pretty good second baseman, but you look at your statistics, and you had the average, you had the power... And that's sort of unusual in a second baseman. Usually it's a guy who can field the ball, maybe get on base a little bit. Did you feel that you stood out for most second baseman of your era? The best second baseman was Connie Garinger, Meyer, uh, and Joe Gordon. We're going to let you go, Bobby, but thank you very much for coming on with us. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Thank you, now. I mean, look at the guys he played with, Jimmy Fox and Joe Cronin. And yeah. you got. Ted Williams, I left him out when I was mentioning the players. Right. And uh, one of his friends later in life especially was uh, the late Bob Feller. And one time I was fortunate enough to to be in Iowa and sit down with Bob Feller and Bobby Doerr and hear them recount some of these tales. And, uh, you know, Doerr didn't have a particularly high average against Feller, but he had an inordinate amount of home runs. So that, that was... A good competition between the two. It's kind of a weird twosome. I mean, because they didn't play together. How did they become friends? Just from being in the Hall of Fame? I think so. I think uh, af- after you retire, players of that era uh, 
tended to gravitate toward one another. Uh, Bob Feller was having Bobby Doerr come to the Bob Feller Museum in Van Meter, Iowa. And, uh, you know, those guys were together for a long time, you know, even if it's just once a year at uh, Cooperstown and you develop relationships. And then in the world of autograph signings and things like that, people end up at the same shows and, you know, it's like, it's like any social setting. You, you develop relationships. He's one of the best signers around here, Bobby Doerr. I see on the internet here that anything you send him, he signs and it's rare with today's athletes. Yeah. yeah. Well, he came from Manera. The guy's 93 years old where one, if you got an autograph, you put it on a scrap of paper or you're an autograph book or a baseball, whatever, and you took it home. You didn't go to eBay. You didn't go to the card store down the street and say, hey, I got a Hall of Fame in it. The guy put an HOF on it, which means Hall of Fame in the, the year of the induction. I can remember as a kid getting autographs of, you know, guys like Warren Spahn, Juan Marichal, Stan, Stan I, Musial, people like that. And, and you didn't do it with money in mind. You did it because you wanted to make some sort of uh, cosmic connection or something. You want to laugh about that. Back in the mid-'80s, I went through the NFL encyclopedia and sent letters to all the Hall of Famers, and I got probably a third of them back. I've got Pete Rozelle, uh, Paul Brown, all those, and I did the same thing with baseball. And when we have the people on the show, I thank them with a letter afterward thanking yeah. them. And I got a couple pictures. I mean, I just got one this week from Ralph Kiner, kind of surprised, really? wearing a Cub uniform Wow! at Wrigley Field. That's special. And I'm laughing. It hit the hologram, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? A lot of times you can't get these guys because they want fifty, hundred dollars, and I've got a room full of these autographs now. Well, you know, a few years ago, I sent away an autograph request to Phil Rizzuto, and he must have put like a half a dozen different items in there, and I, I was just blown away. I'm going, okay, this guy was a Hall of Fame shortstop, longtime broadcaster, and he was kind enough to do that with a little note attached to it, and you go, wow. Look at Jack Twyman. I sent him a letter. He didn't have any pictures, and he sent this handwritten letter back to us, thanking us for having him on the show. He really enjoyed it. Then I made some pictures for him, and he signed a picture for you and me. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. But these guys appreciate it. Definitely. Well, you know, the spotlight's not on them. We bring them back to a time of youth, and I think most of us like to go back to a time of youth and pleasant memories and you know what's funny, though? My wife, every time a Hall of Famer dies, the last four she's asked me, have you interviewed him? Andy Robustelli. <laughs> and then uh, John Henry Johnson. Right. And then um, his other back, Joe Perry. Right. And, and, I, th- and then when you say no, she hits you upside the head yeah, with she, a sports and torts cap, right? Exactly. Duke Snyder. I mean, but I'm laughing. Out of that million-dollar backfield with the 49ers, we've interviewed two out of the four. That's, we uh, had Y.E. Tittle. So we got our money's worth. We got half a million out of we it. We got half a million out of those. Because we had Y.E. Tittle, you had uh, Perry, you had John Henry Johnson, then you had the fourth running back, uh, guy who played at Washington, Hugh, Hugh McElhaney. We had Hugh McElhaney back in many years ago. Okay. Not bad. But, I mean, it's it, the stories, I mean, it's just absolutely int- interesting what they start talking about. Yeah. I, it's like a history lesson. Even for those of us who may have been around for for some of this stuff, you know, like I can remember the 1964 Cardinals, but it's, and I can remember the 1960 Pirates, but it's it's good to get Dick Rote's perspective on that. Do you remember the Hebrew Hammer? Uh, sh- Al Rosen. Okay. 
I talked to well, him. Former he's Cleveland gonna... Indian third baseman. He was a general manager, president of the San Francisco Giants back in the late 80s, early 90s. I talked to him the other day, and he said, oh, come on next week. I mean, just the knowledge. Think, I mean, he was with the Cleveland Indians for years. He was with the Giants. This, I mean, the stuff he's been involved in. I can remember in the mid-50s getting his baseball card. Yeah, go, okay. He was a very good player back in the day and had a long career as an executive, and I'm sure he's got a lot of insight into the game back then and the game today. Because he was in the movie that um, just came out last year, Jews in Baseball. They had him they interviewed. They interviewed Sandy Colfax. Yeah, I, I saw Dustin that. Dustin Hoffman, I think, narrated it. Right. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman was not a ball player. I wondered how Dustin Hoffman got involved with Jews in Baseball. Other than being Jewish, I mean, he had... I think somebody came to him and said, hey, we need somebody to narrate this. Would you either do it for a favor or do it for some money? I would imagine it was, would you do it for a favor? Because I don't know that that movie had a high budget. So... How was that movie? I never saw it. It was good. It was interesting. It uh, had a little bit of a Ken Burns feel to it. Had a lot of interviews. And uh, I think it's available on DVD. So... I want to thank all our guests today, Angie Angus, Dick Grote, and Hall of Famer Bobby Doerr. You're listening to Sports and Torts. Tune in again next week. I'm David Spada with my co-host, Elliot Harris. Thank you.